welcome to the Redeemer 20 Sermon Podcast, where our goal is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. My name is Luke Dirks, and I'm your host, and I'm also privileged to lead the 20s ministry at Redeemer Church in beautiful Rockford, Illinois. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at our Thursday night gathering at 7 p.m. We hope you enjoy this, and we hope you also join us at a future Thursday. Father in heaven, you've given us this book. It is inspired by you. It is written by you. You used men, but you spoke through your Holy Spirit. And these words are inspired. Lord, and they're profitable for teaching, for training, for correction. Um, Lord, and and it's so that we can be equipped. So that if we are a Christian, Lord, if we are saved, if we are in Christ, we can be complete equipped for every good work, that we can look out into our life and we can look upon the challenges and the obstacles and the mountains and the valleys, and we can say, yes, that's difficult, but I'm equipped. I'm complete because I have the word of God. And so tonight, as we open it up, as we finish out the book of John for this season until the fall, I pray that you'd speak through it. I pray that you'd open our hearts. I pray that you would convict us of sin that we have committed against your holy name this week. You convict us of evil thought patterns, godless desires. Call us back. Call us to repentance through tonight. And Lord, I pray for those who are not Christians in this room. Lord, I um, I pray that they would feel welcome here, but I pray that uh, your word would... that you would speak directly to them, that you'd show them that living for self and wealth and pleasure and accomplishment in this world is empty. Lord, we were made for a greater, uh, a greater existence, an existence with you, a relationship with you. We're made to be in community with you. And so God, just get our eyes, lift up our eyes from our deadness, the deadness of our hearts and our our lives, and I pray that you would encourage us with your word tonight. Let it fall upon fresh fresh soil. Lord, I pray that it would cause growth, the greenery to spring through the ground. Lord, that's what your word does upon our hearts, and we pray that um, for this night, and I just thank you, and I praise you, and I pray all these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. So, the title of my sermon tonight is called The Problem of Spiritual Blindness. The Problem of Spiritual Blindness. And if you were with us last week, um, this is a, basically a part two sermon. And so if, if, you're, if, you're, if you weren't here for last week, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that one. Um, but I will do my best to recap it so that, so that um, you don't have to listen to that one to understand what's going on tonight. So my question that I want to start out with is, what is the greatest problem in the world today? You know, um, my daughter, Letty, she's almost two, she would probably say bedtime. <laughs> greatest problem. Don't she, uh, you know, I'll walk in there 15 minutes after bedtime, she's got like 20 books in her bed. And then she's like reading, and we have this camera that you can like see into our room and see if she's sleeping. And she's reading books. I'm like, you, no, you need to go to bed, you know, and... <laughs> And uh, so that's her greatest enemy. That's not the world's greatest enemy. Um, 
But what is the greatest problem with the world today? What is it? Um, you know, is it capitalism? Is it racism? Um, my boss uh, says it's phones and social media. They're the greatest problem with the world today. Social media, he, he likes to say, the kids of this world are more depressed because they're always on their phones. True. It's actually that um, I read a stat today in 2011, from 2011 to today, um, clinical diagnosis, um, clinical um, depression diagnoses doubled, have doubled in that time. Can you believe that? That those who go to the doctor and, and get diagnosed with clinical depression, that's doubled in 10 years. And so I return to the question, what is the greatest problem with our world today? And the Bible's claim is that the greatest problem is what is spoken of in John chapter 9 today. It is spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness is not a physical problem. It's not something that can be fixed with a hammer or healed with medicine. It's not physical. It is deeper than that. It's deeply spiritual. And it's a problem that exists in the heart of every man and woman in this world, spiritual blindness. And so in John chapter 9, we come face to face with this topic. It's brought to the forefront <clears throat> because we see here a man who is physically and spiritually blind. He's both. He's, he's blind from birth. The, the text says in verse 1. And last week we talked about, um, we talked about how um, this whole, so the disciples in verse 2, they asked Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was blind? And this is terrible theology, that um, this is karma theology, that somehow his parents sinned and caused him to be blind. And, and Jesus is quick to correct them. He says in verse 3, it's not this, this man sinned or his parents, that he was made blind, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And I remember last week we talked about how important it is for you and I to understand the doctrine of God's sovereignty. Is it not? It's so important. You have to have that brick in the foundation of your theology to understand. Because <clears throat> if you want to see God work, if you want to see the works of God displayed, you have to understand how God uses the hardships of life and the ups and downs of life. And so that helps. That, that is um, what you need to understand. But here tonight, I want to turn and see this passage in a new light and talk about how this man um, is a picture of spiritual blindness. Um, he spent the majority of his life, he's begging for his livelihood. His entire life is in darkness. And so just to recap the story, I want to kind of give, a, uh, that was a lot of verses. So to kind of give you a recap, um, so the disciples, they see a man, he's blind from birth, and they ask Jesus, and they say, oh, it was probably his parents' fault. And it was probably, he, or he probably sinned before he was born. So Jesus corrects them, he says, no. He gives them a lesson in God's sovereignty. He says, no, this man was, was born this way so that, so that God's works may be displayed in him, so that I, I could heal him and that many people could praise God through it. And then in verse four, Jesus commands the disciples to, to, to work 
uh, to do good works. And he does this not, not, to, not in order to earn salvation, but he says, because of the love that Christ has shown you, because of the love that God has shown you, disciples, you are to respond in good works. And that's the same for us today. That is our motivation. The love of Christ compels us. And so he says to his disciples, we must work the works of God uh, while it is day. And then he sets the example in verse 7 and 8, 7, and 7 through 8. Because Jesus, he says, having said these things, he made mud, anointed the man's eyes, and he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And he, wa- he washed and came back seeing. So this man's healed. But then we get into all of these debates. And so um, what you see is in verses 8 through 12, you see the man questioned by the crowds. So um, the neighbors are coming, and they're like, is this the man who used to sit and beg? And some others are like, no, it's not him. And others are like, no, it's him. So there's this big debate. And then they bring him before the Pharisees, verse 13 to 18, 13 to 17. And, and the Pharisees question him, and they're very skeptical. And of course, it's, um, Jesus is doing this on the Sabbath day. <laughs> we'll come back to that. And then in verse 18, the parents of the man are brought in. They're like, we don't believe you. Where's your parents? Where's your dad? Where's your mom? Bring him in here. And the parents um, affirm that, yes, he was born blind, but we don't really know how he got healed. Now, the text says that they said that because they feared the Jews. And so the Pharisees can't really get anything out of the Pharisees, or can't really get anything out of the parents, and so they go back to the man in verses 24 to 34, And finally, they condemn him, they cast him out of the synagogue, and Jesus finds him and heals him and saves him. And he ends the whole text, Jesus, with this punchline. He says in verse 39, For judgment I came into the world. For judgment I came into the world. Now that word judgment is to render a verdict, or to to decide, or to administer justice. Um, it's kind of like what's going on right now with the Supreme Court. So some of you know how the Supreme Court works. They deliberate for months, and they talk, and they research, and then in the, at the end of June, they come out with a decision. And right now, they're deciding many things. One of them is the student loan thing, um, the student loan, uh, whether they're going to forgive student loans. So that's just one of many decisions they're making right now. But the point is that the Supreme Court, their whole job is to administer justice. It's to make decisions and render verdicts. And that's what is meant by this word um, just uh, judgment here. Jesus says, verse 39 again, for judgment I came into the world that those, may who, that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. You see, Jesus has come into the world. It's really ironic because the man starts out blind, the, the man starts out blind, spiritually blind and physically blind and ends up seeing both physically and spiritually. And so that works with verse 39. He says, For judgment I came to the, into this world, that those who do not see may see. But then the second part, that those who see may become blind. And that is a picture of the Pharisees here, who are just digging themselves in a further and further hole, um, interrogating this man. So... So again, let's, let's um, dive into my points. So again, my sermon title is The Problem of Spiritual Blindness. And my first point is that it's a common problem. It's a common problem. 
Um, Ecclesiastes 7.20 says that surely there's not a man or woman on earth that does good and never sins. There's not one person, the Bible says, who does good truly. Did you know that? And that's what's meant of this spiritual blindness, this inability to meet God's law, this inability to be righteous. It's a common problem, far more common than we realize. You know, when things are common, we often miss them. Um, it's like how many, there's so, uh, you know, a million things go through my mind, but McDonald's's are everywhere. They're common. I almost don't see them anymore because they're on every street corner. <laughs> Um, it's easy to miss something that's common, but I don't want you to miss the fact that spiritual blindness is everywhere, the Bible says. It's everywhere. Um, and so that's what this man's condition signifies. The world is full of spiritually blind. If, in fact, if you were able to gather their numbers, there would not be enough hospital beds to house them all. There would not be enough urgent care centers to take them in the spiritually blind. And yet so few are aware of this problem. Even, even some of you here tonight may have grown up in church, may know some stories from the Bible, may know a few things, or, or you might know a lot of things, but you could still be spiritually blind. You see, it's a problem. Surely there's not a man or woman on earth who does good and never sins. That's what this is a picture of, this man who is born blind. He is signifying the greater reality that all of us, all of us were born into sin. And so this man, again, his greatest problem is not his physical blindness, but that his sin has separated him from a holy God. Even though he, he, did, he had not the ability to see, he had the ability to sin. He was born with a tendency to sin. And so it's a common problem. Point number two, it's a deadly problem. Spiritual blindness is a deadly problem. I would hate for you to come tonight and not feel the weight of being separated from God by your sin. You know, even this man, we can infer because of what the Bible teaches that even this blind man was a sinner. Um, while his sin did not cause him to become blind, um, it did cause him to be heading for judgment. And had not Jesus passed that way and saved him, who knows where he would have been, but Jesus came to him. And so maybe his sins, you know, speculating here, you know, his, from his youth, he probably committed all the common sins. Maybe he manipulated people for their contributions um, as a beggar because he loved money. Maybe he lived in anxiety because he had never, um, he always wrestled with, why was I born blind? Maybe he coveted the lives of others who passed him each day and wondered, why, why, why wasn't I born seeing? But the truth remains that this man was a sinner. So what is sin? Sin is a lack of conforming to God's law. That's what sin is. Uh, the word sin in the Greek is it, it, it's hamartia. It, it literally means to miss the mark. It's an archery term. So how many archers in here? There's zero. So one archer. Okay. 
one archer. So in archery, there's this, uh, and the only reason I know this is because I watched the movie Robin Hood, and there's a, there's a target, and they, they uh, it's, you know, rings, you know, and then they get the bow, and, and they put the, put the arrow, they knock the arrow in the string and let it fly. And what it means to sin is to shoot that arrow and to miss the center of the bullseye, to miss the mark. And the Bible says that we do that with God's law, that every human has missed the mark, has sinned. It's any... Um, sin is any lack of conforming to God's law. Sin is any time we do something that God prohibits, and it's any time we don't do something that God commands. Sin means to miss the mark. I just got this uh, driving app that tracks my driving. Um, it's, uh, and it basically, the purpose is so that I can save money on insurance to buy more diapers currently. And so this, but I don't know if you've seen these things, but for insurance, you put them in your car and they track your movements. They track things like speed. They track like how, how erratic you are in your driving. They track how, how fast you stop. They, they track how much you check your phone, which I never do. Um, actually, it's one of my best categories. Anyway, so they, they, they grade you. <laughs> It, seriously, they grade you on your driving. I'm not bragging because if I show you this, you'll realize that I have a massive problem. Actually, the funny thing is when I started this, I'm like, I'll be good. I'm going to save tons of money. <laughs> and then I realized that on the way to work, I drive through this 25 mile an hour street that I just cannot drive 25 mile an hour in. So I get dinged like the whole way. And so my speed grade is terrible. Um, anyway, so don't, don't, moral of the story, don't get that app. Uh, it's, it's not worth it. Um, but, the, but basically, the app basically records every time I fail to meet the insurance standards. Anytime I break too hard or go too fast or corner too hard or check my phone, which I never do, <laughs> it records. And the app is like a mirror. It shows me how well of a driver I am, how well I conform to the insurance's standards of, of drivership. <laughs> That's a word. But that's what God's law is like for the sinner. God's law is like a mirror. It reveals where we are wanting, where we are lacking, where we fall short. Again, back to Ecclesiastes 7. There is not a person on earth that is not found wanting standing before a holy God. There is not a person, me included, we are all wanting before God. We are all sinful. We are all found to fall short of his glory. And, and the reason I bring this up is because spiritual blindness is a deadly problem. Um, Romans 5 says that sin leads to death. Um, just reading straight out of um, Romans chapter 5. I'll turn there. It says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man... This is verse 12. And death through sin, so death spread to all man, men because all sinned. You see the trajectory there? Do you see the pro progression? Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, talking about Adam, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. You see, the wages of sin is death. What we get for committing sin against the holy God is death. 
That is the judgment for sin. It's a serious problem. And that's where this blind man, and even the Pharisees in this story, are, they're all spiritually blind and they find themselves in this deadly problem. How about you? Where are you today? Do you know you're a sinner? Do you know that you've broken God's law? That you've fallen short of his standard? That before him you have no hope of claiming any goodness? That if you get to the end of your life and you try to enter heaven, you try to stand before God on your own merit, you will not make it. It's not enough. Sin leads to death. Just as sin came into the world through one man, sin, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. So spiritual blindness, it's a common problem. It's a deadly problem. And finally, it's a curable problem. And I love this part. And, just, and I, I want you guys, you all to get involved. And I want us to have a discussion about this point. Because what I love here is that even the darkest of eyes, even the darkest spiritual eyes can be lightened by Jesus. Even the most hopelessest of cases Hopeless of cases can be cured by Jesus. He's the great physician. He's a great doctor. And so Jesus, in, in verse 6, has an interesting way of healing. Uh, last time I went to the doctor, they didn't use uh, this method. But verse 6 says, Having said these things, he spit on the ground. And every, every uh, on three, everyone just, everyone go, one, two, three. So he spit on the ground. Again, interesting method, interesting method of healing. My doctor has never done this before. And he said to him, oh, 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 sorry, and he made mud with the saliva. And he anointed the man's eyes with the mud. Again, interesting choice of words, I, anointed. I, you know, put, anoint me with oil or anoint me with, you know, anything but mud, you know, <laughs> And he anointed his, yeah, mud and spit, exactly. And he anointed his head with, and his eyes with mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And he went and washed and he came back seeing. Now Jesus didn't need to make mud and put saliva together to do this, but, but he does. And I, I think it's because um, he wanted the man to have, a, have some ownership of, of this. He wanted to heal the man, but also say, hey, I want you to go in the pool and wash. I want you to do something too. And so that's a great picture of salvation. Jesus acts first. Jesus calls us to respond in faith. But we must respond. And we respond in faith. We respond in repentance. But he makes the first move, and that, that's what we see here. But again, the man is cured. And, and so what I want to do, I want to ask a question. Um, it's a curable problem. We have two groups of blind people in this passage. Number one is the man, but it's also the Pharisees, right? Pharisees can see, but they can't see spiritually. And it's really interesting how Jesus, compassionate Jesus, <laughs> he actually shows love to each group. So first, the blind man um, show, give me some verses that you see of Jesus showing compassion and, and love toward the blind man. Let's start with the blind man. 
Um, give me some verses that show Jesus' affection and pursuit after this man. You can speak. We can get, we can, we can start talking. Anybody want to raise their hand and say? Or just speak it. Yes. Verse 35. Can you read verse 35? Yeah, I love that. Um, after, you know, the man had, had his eyes restored, and then he goes through three interrogations about how he got his sight. And notice his responses, they almost get shorter each time. So his first story in, is in verse 11. He says, The man called Jesus made mud, and under my eyes said to me, Go wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. And they're like, Where is he? And he said, I don't know. So that's his first thing. And then the Pharisees asked him, and, and uh, in verse 15 he says, he put mud on my eyes, I washed, and I see. <laughs> it's like getting shorter. He's like, you really ask me again? And then verse 18. Well, no, that, that's the parents. And then, um, um, and then verse 24, so the Pharisees called him again. Now, like, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. Not a great option calling Jesus a sinner, Pharisees. But he's, and then in verse 25, he answers, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. And then he just says, one thing I do know, I was blind, now I see. <laughs> shorter and shorter and shorter. But again, he's, he comes through three interrogations, um, and he really represents Christ well. He says, um, in verse 32, he says, he responds to the Pharisees, never since the world began has it heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. This is bold talking to the Pharisees. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And so then the Pharisees again condemn him. They say, you were born in utter sin. Ironic. When would you teach us? And they cast him out. And here Jesus is. Uh, hears that he's cast him out. Comes to him. And, and honestly, the guy gets saved right here. Verse 36. And who, do you, who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus says to him, you have seen him. It is he that he was speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. So the blind man, he, uh, Jesus restores him. Verse 7, he heals him. The other verse I see is even verse 1. The disciples want to make this man a subject of debate. They want to, they want to gossip and uh, make this man a, a topic of debate rather than he's a person. And Jesus sees past that, and he, and he uh, decides to heal him. How about the Pharisees? How does Jesus love the Pharisees and, and, and confront the Pharisees here? What are some verses? Killian, what verse? Uh, well, when they ask him if they're blind, he, he just puts it to them plainly. If you were blind, then you wouldn't even be guilty, but it's the fact that you see that mm. you, you are. Mm. Yeah. You know, for I love that, Killian, because for as hard as the Pharisees are. I feel like I would have probably not want to dealt with them. I would have probably given up on them. But here Jesus is being straight with them, saying, you know, you pointed out, verse 41, Jesus said to them, uh, if you were blind, you would have no guilt, but you say you, you see, and so your guilt remains. You say you have no sin. Jesus is pursuing them. He's pursuing the spiritually blind. 
What else? What else does he do? What else, how else does he love the Pharisees here? How else is he coming after them, pursuing them? Their heart is so hard. Their heart is so hard toward Jesus. They're just trying to preserve their place as the, as the, in the place of honor. What else does Jesus do? Alex? Yeah, no, for sure. That's, and that was kind of what, uh, yeah, no, that's good. So for judgment, I came to this world. Yeah. Yeah, I just love that he's still pursuing them, right? Um, I, another one that is, comes out is verse 14. So it says, uh, what day is it that Jesus does this? It's the Sabbath day. It's the Sabbath day, yeah. And so that, you know, you could look at that like um, kind of confrontational with the Pharisees. But I look at that as, a, as, a, as Jesus caring about them. Jesus trying to uproot their misunderstanding and their bad, underst- bad understanding of the law. Because he's trying to say, look, you, you, uh, you wouldn't heal someone on the Sabbath? Is it, he, in another passage he says, is it, is it right to do good or to do evil on the Sabbath? And he's trying to say, guys, you've totally misused the Sabbath. You're not understanding it. The Sabbath is not made for, man is not made for the Sabbath. And so he's loving the Pharisees. And then even, even verse 30, he, he heals the blind man. And then he, verse 30, the blind man is testifying before the Pharisees. Um, he says why this is an amazing thing. This man opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone who is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a blind man. Man, this guy can preach. He just got his eyes open and now he's preaching to the Pharisees. Christ loves even the Pharisees here. He's pursuing after them. So again, the Pharisees and the blind man are suffering from this problem of spiritual blindness. One man is healed and the others are hardened. And that's the, um, that's the, that's the result of gospel preaching. Some respond in faith. Some respond in repentance and others reject the king. And so um, I just want to end with that. Um, you know, if you're not a Christian here today, I, w- I want to say you're welcome here. I'm glad you came. Um, but you must hear that God is calling you to turn away from your sin, to turn away from your spiritual blindness. The good news of the gospel is not the good news of a comfortable life on earth. It's not good news of earthly wealth or fame. It's a call to die to earthly desires. It's a call to worship your creator in heaven who made you. And you were made for him. You were made to be in relationship with him. You were not made to find satisfaction here. It is my prayer tonight that, that if you are spiritually blind, that God would reveal it to you. That even some of us that have been in the church a long time that do not see, we think we see, but we do not see. Oh Lord, reveal it to us tonight. Let's pray. Lord, <laughs> it is only by your grace 
It is only by your kindness to us that we see. And I pray that you would grant tonight a little light to be shed upon our hearts. That even Christians here tonight, myself included, Lord, help us to forsake our sin. Lord, to, that it would be revealed to us. Pray that we'd humble ourselves under your law that when it reveals sin in our lives, when it reveals that our thoughts are evil. And I pray that we repent of them and turn to you. You have so much grace and kindness for us. And I pray for those who are not saved that they would repent and believe in your gospel tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.